You're sure Alice said it was this way? Definitely. Through this hole. What hole? Look, come here. Stand where I am now. Now just tilt your head a little bit. Squat down and look at it from this angle, but with one eye closed. Curious and curiouser. Did you cut this open with some sort of subtle knife? No. Rabbit made it, apparently. Bollocks. She's nuts, that Alice. Yeah. Mad as a hatter. Cool find, though. How deep does it go? I don't know. Then you just dip my toe in. What happened? Sprouted another foot. What? Only for a second. It disappeared again when I pulled it out. Look. Oh, gross. Nah, that's just a wart. You think that's bad? You should see my brother's bunions. Take a look. What, is he here too? No, he's next door watching TV. I meant take a look in the hole. Why, so hypnotic. Look deep into the parker. Wait, what? Look deep into the parker. Hey, turn that down. It's freaking out, Teo. Come on, stop faffing. Will you look into the rabbit hole? What will I see? All right, Frodo. It's not the mirror of Galadriel. It's more of a portal. I know that. It just looks a bit shady, all that gaudy glow. You're not taking me through some interdimensional shortcut to the red light district, are you? It's not really my colour. <laughs> you should be so lucky. Now, the colour just corresponds to the plane of gravity inside. Alice says you can change it once you're in. Hmm, the colour. And the gravity. Do you trust her? She's not just coercing us to follow her Republican agenda. Because I'm no monarchist, but what with the Jubilee and Megxit, I feel like now's a bad time for an uprising against the Queen, of hearts or of England. Nah, Alice is cool. You'll like her. Now get in there. Okay, here goes. Teo? Teo, where are you? I'm up here. What are you doing hanging from the roof? And how are you upside down? I think my plane of gravity is different to yours. It must be my bright yellow outfit. You never said there was a dress code. I just assumed you wouldn't wear solid primary colours. Hang on, I'll nip back out and grab my yellow trainers so we match. That should sort it. Yellow trainers? Who are you? Kanye West? Wait, don't leave me here. Ben, Ben, this place is creepy as... Oh, thank God. Alice. You're Alice, right? Who's your friend? Oh, I think there's a mistake. I'm not Danny. Come and play with us. Uh, well, yeah, I think that was the plan. Just waiting for Ben to get back and sort out this gravitational conundrum. He has yellow trainers, apparently. Come and play with us, Danny. Uh, actually, you know what? I think I'm good. Uh, I think I'm a bit tired for playing. I'll just hang here and have a little sleep. Quiet now. Safe. Like a bat. I'm not Danny, I'm Teo, no, get away! Help! Teo, 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 you're tripping hard, man. Drink some water. I'm not Daddy, I'm Teo. I know, I know, and I'm Ben. That's enough non-Euclidean geometry for you. You're suffering from some serious pixel Timely recording this one, isn't it? Is it? Why is this one timely? Yeah, we, we bashed out this game really quickly, I thought. I got it done in record time. Oh, I thought you meant timely for the listener, like not just we nailed it, pat on the back at us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, pure introspection. Oh, fair enough. Well, what is this game, Teo? Manifold Garden. Is, do you reckon it is manifold or do you think it's manifold garden? Like many, many folded garden. But manifold is just a normal word, right? And isn't it pronounced manifold? Well, yeah, I imagine it is pronounced manifold, but don't you think it's a pun on manifold? But isn't that just what manifold means? Like, many different parts. So they didn't even need the pun because the word just meant that thing <laughs> in the first place. It's got a ring to it, though, hasn't it? Don't you think? Manifold garden. It's a curious name. Yeah, but also, I was thinking of the non-Euclidean geometry thing and how it's like... The world has many, many folds in and of itself, like literal folds, folding of space and time, rather than just of many in number, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did you know about non-Euclidean geometry before playing this? Because I didn't really, I don't think. I mean, I knew that weird shit could happen in games, but I didn't really know about the basis for it. Uh, no, I didn't. And to be honest, as you've said the word, both in the intro and then, I've just kind of been pretending <laughs> and, <laughs> and hoping that I'll like pick up a bit of the geometry as we go along. But no, you outed me. So tell us what it is. <laughs> I also don't fully understand non-Euclidean geometry, and I was actually going to suggest that potentially it might be worth having another little visit from our resident physicist, Dr. <laughs> Noah Waterfield-Price. PhD. But the gist of what I've understood it to mean is essentially it's geometry that's not confined to three dimensions, like you would expect most things to exist within, right? Hmm. So, for instance, the example I saw in a YouTube video that I'll link in the show notes, which I hope mm. everybody's reading, because take a long time writing <laughs> those, is basically someone knits. First of all, they knit a regular cube, and obviously all the planes line up neatly. And then mm. they knit a non-Euclidean one, whereby obviously it still is three-dimensional because it's in this world, so this is just a demonstration, but none of the planes can exist equally on any given side. So if most of them are sort of regular, then one of them sort of caves in on itself. Pull that one out so it feels a regular plane and it's like flat and perpendicular to the others. Then another plane will pop out or cave in on itself. So they cannot acquire any sort of symmetry or any regularity between each of the dimensions because one or more is always gonna collapse. This is hyperbolic crochet. You can see how five squares meet at every vertex now, but it's still hard to visualize everything even with a 3D model because if you try to flatten it in one area, everywhere else starts curving. It's impossible to see it all at once, and it gets even worse as we look at bigger and bigger pieces of the hyperbolic plane. Though it does give you a sense of how much larger hyperbolic space is compared to Euclidean. And I think that's kind of the way that in this game, as we'll get into, mm. you can sort of go into a room and then there seems to be like an unfathomable amount of space in that room because the building was small, but when you walk into it, it's massive. Mm. And it's that sort of messing around with space in that way. That's one thing that it does. And the other thing that it does is that the environment is repeated infinitely in every direction. Because, I mean, I'm just riffing. I've never heard of this concept before. But, like, at any one moment, one of the sides will have caved in. And so as you go towards that side, you kind of, like, come out at the other side of the wall by the same side. Oh, my God, this game's going to be horrible to describe on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's like trying to explain a wormhole. Mm. It's just difficult to do, all right, guys? <laughs> Suffice to say, nothing conforms to the normal laws of physics in this game. Yeah. It's like that maze in Control. I can't remember what it's called now, but that crazy sequence, which I urged everyone to at least watch. Oh, yeah. Play. It is like that. Yeah, where you're going through and, like, the walls are closing in. Or that scene in Inception, mm. when, like, the walls are closing in and, like... Everything's bending up around you. I guess I thought that the dream space would be all about the visual, but it's more about the feel of it. My question is, what happens when you start messing with the physics of it all? Except that's not like a one-off. That is the whole game. Mm. Well, anyway, I better do a tarot monologue for the listeners so that they have some sort of context of what we're trying to explain <laughs> somewhat ramblingly. We've been playing Manifold Garden, which is a first-person 3D puzzler. And when you think of games like that, you think of like Portal. Ah, there's one that you mentioned to me as well, which I haven't actually played, but which I know is popular. The Witness, the Talos Principle. The Talos Principle, the Talos Principle. And yeah, The Witness as well. So the gimmick in Manifold Garden is that you can walk up to any surface in the world and at the press of the button, that surface or wall becomes the floor. So you've essentially got six surfaces to walk on 
and you can fall from any of them, depending on which one you're walking on. I kind of like to think about it, sorry to steal your Benalogy, but I started to think about it as like you're walking on the inside of a Rubik's cube because each side has a color and you use the colors to traverse the environment and to do different things with boxes and push switches and stuff to progress in the game. So yeah, that's pretty much the context for it. But I won't go into story because I don't know how. <laughs> so we'll try and get into that in a little bit. Oh my God, it's so difficult to explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking I'm not really following and I've played the game, so. Because you can't say, you can't, you can't ever really say wall, can you? I guess you can say wall until it becomes the floor and you can say ceiling until it becomes a wall and then becomes the floor. So there's definitely feels like there's a language barrier. I really like your analogy of being on the inside of a cube though, mm. because that helps because it's always like, if you're on the inside, then when the cube turns, you fall to the new plane mm. where the base gravity is. Yeah. And that bit, I think, hopefully makes sense. Yeah. It will make more sense with an example, won't it? So say you're facing the blue wall and there's a blue cube there stuck on it then you can go onto the blue wall, move around the, the blue cube because gravity's falling to the, to the blue side now. And then you pop up to the, the red ceiling. And at that point, the, the blue cube is still gonna be stuck to the ceiling because it's now the ceiling. Oh, damn, didn't quite manage it. Felt like I was almost onto a clear, <laughs> clear example there. I can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow. Sing a rainbow too. Yeah. The reason that the yellow trainers thing was in the intro is because obviously if it was a yellow side, then yellow trainers would match that side. Yeah. So the gravity would always be pulling yellow things towards the yellow side. Yeah. That's kind of the bottom line. Whatever side is the floor at any given point is kind of irrelevant. What's more relevant is the colour of the object that you're trying to attach to that side. Yeah, definitely. That's a way better way of explaining it. Imagine each floor is sucking things of its own colour towards it. That's way, way clearer. Yeah, cool. And so we kind of need to talk about the way the mechanics actually work as far as opening a door, right? So mm. the basic way to open a door is there's a coloured switch, say a green switch. It needs a green cube on the green switch and the door opens. Mm. It's like as simple as that. It's yeah. very basic colour coding. But how do you get the green switch there? Because it seems to be halfway up a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, well, I can't carry the green switch there because the gravity planes don't line up. And what it turns out you need to do, for example, is change the plane, move a blue switch to part way up the blue wall, then revert the plane. And now there's a little ledge for you to put the green cube on and then it's against the green switch. Fuck me, this is going to be a difficult <laughs> game to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, we might have to steer away from explaining the puzzles because, I mean, that's the satisfaction of the game, right? It's not fun to hear a puzzle explained to you, but it is incredibly satisfying to solve it yourself. And there's a lot of different permutations that you can get within those boundaries, within those game rules for puzzles to solve. And so, yeah, did you, I mean, did you find the puzzles satisfying to solve? Sometimes I definitely did. And sometimes I had that same sense of fluking it that you sometimes get with a complicated puzzler mm. or also actually with from software games when you beat a boss in my case <laughs> uh, people always talk about mastery but sometimes i felt like i just fumbled it through and that definitely was the case in some of the more difficult puzzles in this like i kind of moved things around enough and then i was like oh i can reach the door i don't know quite how i did that <laughs> but okay i'll take it but yeah i did have a classic like oh moment almost straight away in one of the first puzzles but even that wasn't quite as like of a eureka moment as I got in like Portal or The Witness, mm. which are definitely fair comparisons. But this is much less kind of, I think it's the, for all its precision and for all its beauty in a way, this world, it's quite bare, mm. it's quite barren. And that means even though it's visually interesting in terms of you know, these infinite kaleidoscopic shapes and loops, and we can move on to talk about the architecture as well. It's not actually very interesting, you know, in the same way as a, an island is in The Witness, mm. with lots of different places and colours, or 
Well, I suppose Portal actually is kind of similar environment, barren interiors. <laughs> You've got nothing really to to warm to, have you? Apart from, like you say, the the architecture. It reminded me of oh my god, I can't believe I've forgotten what it's called. Which is the Lucas Pope game that we played on the ship. Oh, the Return of the Obra Dinn. The Return of the Obra Dinn, because it's completely in black and white, and also these sort of bare polygons. But whereas in that, you could at least see people's faces, and there was a lot more detail of the ship. In this, like you say, it's just a really, like every surface is very flat, which makes sense because you've got to be able to walk up to it and go up it yourself, turn it into the floor. And in fact, when you can't do that, it can be pretty frustrating. So where there are more like interesting little ledges and stuff, it can be a bit awkward to kind of like try and climb up them and fall down them and stuff. Yeah, especially when you're trying to navigate your way off an edge. Like if you're quite high up in the room that you're in and all you really want to do is just sort of tuck over onto the plane below you mm. um actually doing that without falling off you can often find yourself falling to the bottom and being like ah god I've got to walk that up there again yeah <laughs> rotating the room all over again to get back there those moments are a little bit frustrating yeah you think of what i'm thinking partner aim for the bushes and another thing that adds to it is that we talked about the color but you only ever see the color of the floor that you're on so I thought it would be cool if you could actually see all of the coloured floors at once, but you can't. You can only ever see the colour of the floor that you're on and every other floor or wall or ceiling is just white. It would have instantly added something, I think, if they just like coloured the whole thing in, but maybe it would have made it ridiculously confusing. I don't know. Or a bit easier. Maybe that's why they didn't do it because all it really gives you is the cursor changes colour, doesn't it? Yeah. So you know which kind of wall you're facing, the colour of the wall you're facing just because the little ball and the cursor changes. So apparently I haven't actually played this game. I don't know if you have, but there's a game called Antichamber that apparently this is extremely similar to. And when I watched a little bit to see whether, you know, that was a fair comparison or not, it is beyond a fair comparison. Like, is it? Yeah, I mean, that, so that's a much older game. Yeah. But this is basically just a polished version of the same thing. That was 2013, I think. Actually, because everything's very cubic as well, like these uh, kind of regular shapes and polygons, there's another game called Cube with a Q, which... Again, I watched for the gameplay to see if it was similar, mm. and it is just so similar stylistically. Mm. And I was kind of a little bit disappointed by that because I'd thought, having not played those games, that this was actually really original in its visual style. Turns out it's a kind of polished but derivative. <laughs> fair, fair. But we haven't talked about the coolest thing yet, which is so you start off and you're in this really enclosed cube-like rooms and like we say you're walking up the walls doing these puzzles and then you kind of walk out into the open space and you can see the platform that you're standing on in every direction but really far away yeah and you kind of like look down and see there's a little switch below you and so you have to take the cube and just jump off and, and there's this amazing sound effect when you're falling you land on it but then you realize that you can just fall forever at that point and it's i don't know there's something so compelling about falling forever in this game i think yeah i totally agree with you in fairness similarly to how that was quite a fun thing to play with in portal when you opened a, an orange above you and a blue below you and mm. then kind of fell between them yeah. whereas that you had to kind of carefully set up in this it's any time you fall from an edge and you're outdoors <laughs> you are just mm. falling into the next version of the world you're in and again and again and again yeah. kind of like in um i already referenced inception but christopher nolan he did like this student film i think it was called bug and basically in that he's a guy it's obviously a student film he's a guy in his room he's taking his shoe off and there's this bug crawling around and he's trying to hit it and you see him trying to hit it mm. and then it kind of zooms in and zooms in and you realize the the bug he's trying to squish is him with holding a shoe trying to squish a bug and it zooms into that and it's the same thing and again and again and it's that fractal you know that idea of no matter how far you zoom in you end up just always with the same shape Mm. and that is really compelling in this though i have to say not obvious at first like that puzzle when you have to take the cube and reach that gap i spent a disgustingly long time thinking i was 
so stupid for not getting that. It's true. I made it sound like that's the first thing I did, but it absolutely wasn't. I, I started falling and then I was like on the wrong side of the building. So I couldn't see the platform anymore. I was like walking around the outside of the place where you start just thinking like, what the hell is this place? Like, where's the thing that I'm meant to go? You get more used to the idea of falling as a key mechanic, don't you? Oh, totally. So yeah. you start to think, oh, this is a case of like, it's above me. So I've got to jump down to get to the thing that's above me, which is really cool thing to like learn in your brain, I think, as you're playing. Definitely. But one of the key aspects of this, what we haven't mentioned, is momentum as well. Because mm. the only reason this works, right, is like if there's a really big gap that you're trying to cross, walking off the edge in a world without momentum, you know, you'd fall infinitely fine, but you're not actually progressing across the gap. But with momentum, mm. you kind of leave the edge and you're if you're pushing forwards, you're always moving forwards yep. into the distance. That way, these impossible gaps of like distances that, you know, you can't jump in the game. So these distances that you're like, how could I possibly cross that? There are no bridges to that place. You realize you mm. just kind of have to fall forever until eventually you land in some other parallel universe version of what you've just done. Yeah, it's true, actually, because they're pretty subtle with that, aren't they? Like the momentum as you jump off, like the momentum you generate is, is only ever really slight, isn't it? Hmm. Which means that you sometimes have to fall for a good, I don't know, like five or six versions of the environment that you're in before you reach the other side of the gap that you're going for. Yeah. Which I think is cool because they could because they could have turned that up and made it a lot more quick experience. Instead, you have to almost be patient as you go along. You do. Yeah. But I think they could have perhaps done more to introduce that organically because when that mm. all of the puzzles up until then had been kind of fairly straightforward put the cube on the switch and you can kind of figure out how to revolve the room and you know orient to yourself fine but this was a whole new mechanic like this idea of falling through infinity and they hadn't given you any hints they hadn't nudged you at all and mm. i was stuck there for so long this actually I think I may have Googled how to get past this point. <laughs> there were a couple of points where I turned to a walkthrough, actually. There were at least two, I'm going to say. Yeah, there was one bit where I did and I Googled it and I couldn't find the answer. So I ended up having to solve it myself anyway. But I really just thought like, surely there's some sort of walkthrough for this. But I guess the particular question that I was asking was too obvious. And it, was, it did turn out it was really obvious, as is often the case. But like you say, it's because when you've got a world with so much possibility you miss one thing and then how do you know which specific little location to look to go back on yeah exactly especially in the open world ones because it does mix it up between the closed environments and the, and the open environments you aren't mad at me what? we're in a different a different reality here yeah we're in a different reality because the reality where i am from my best friend didn't sleep with my wife Hugh, do you not understand what i'm saying this all started tonight and if there are a million different realities I have slept with your wife in every one of them. On the seeing infinite versions of yourself as well, of, of the world that you're in, um, after a while, obviously once you've kind of learned that mechanic and got over that hump, then you can, you think to include it in your sort of vocabulary, the game vocabulary that you use as you're mm. solving the puzzles. But more than that, because you can see these infinite versions, you start to look not at the world you're actually in, not at your immediate environment, but instead you just start to look into the distance to try and figure yeah. out where the switches are on the other buildings. And like, because yeah. yeah. one of the key problems I have with the game in a way is that it's really unclear where the boundaries of your play environment are mm. like you say to begin with you're in a you're clearly in a room you know you start there that's where the switch is you can see the door you're trying to get through fine when it's that clear cut everything's very straightforward but once you get out of those early rooms then you're just in these huge spaces and I was like do I need to go back into previous rooms do I need to like fall onto a different sort of plane or is the solution actually quite close by and sometimes i couldn't even see the door i was trying to get through like i was just kind of walking around being like where the fuck am i meant to go here mm. <laughs> again like that's something that other games definitely have have managed to sort of delineate those boundaries a bit more clearly than this game i don't know if that's because i say you know mm -hmm. i checked walkthroughs part of the reason i did that in fact almost in every case i think i checked the walkthrough 
largely to see where I was meant to go, not like how to solve mm. a problem. My problems were rarely, oh, I don't know how to do the puzzle, so much as where the fuck is the puzzle that I'm meant to be solving? Now sometimes I wonder who I am or where I'm going. Is there anything or no? If so, am I worthy of knowing? I might wonder. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. And I think mostly it gets away with it because you're happy. You have a sort of happy sense of wonderment in exploring the new area that you're in. Like before you've got like a mental map of the area, so to speak. Like I was saying, I just found it fun to fall. So the first thing I do in every area is just fall. Just go and just like look around above, below, side to side, just and try and like ma like map <laughs> this space that I was in. That must have been so dizzy. <laughs> so that I could feel oriented. Because like you say, like it is disorienting. But yeah, I mean, it comes a point where you're just like, okay, I just need a to know where to go now like this isn't obvious yeah that happened definitely a few times but it never spoiled the experience i'm glad it didn't spoil the experience for you because i would say that in general it didn't for me either but there was one point where i basically it turned out to be a bug you see uh... i got to a game breaking bug or it would have been game breaking but the game actually lets you reload previous versions of the same save if that makes sense almost knowing that you might encounter problems so yeah it would have been a game breaking bug in the sense that what happens is as the game develops these cubes that you're trying to put on switches you eventually have to like grow the trees that they grow on mm, hence the garden right <laughs> yeah exactly so there's water floating around um you have to kind of position the cubes to redirect the water to land on other cubes and then those cubes turn into trees of cubes mm. and when you see those trees of cubes and you haven't grown them often there are more cubes on the tree you're going to need those to solve the puzzle but i came across a tree and it just didn't have a cube on it didn't have any cubes on mm. and i spent ages looking how to solve this puzzle like i'm talking like at least an hour eventually when i looked it up it turned out it was a bug and they tweeted about it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And they it, hadn't grown its little cube fruit. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. This Reddit post talked about it. And then the devs had responded to the post confirming that it really was a bug. And it was especially annoying because the post was from two years ago. And I was like, oh, come on, patch your fucking game. That really pissed me mm. off. And it wouldn't have pissed me off if it had been quite obvious that it was a bug. Do you know what I mean? Like if the players were small enough, you get to a certain point where, as Sherlock Holmes would say, you know. Once you rule out the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be true. I've masked that quote. I'll find him saying it pithily. <laughs> but the point is, when you've ironed out all other possibilities, all other kinks, then you know, okay, actually, there just isn't a physical way through this play area now. Mm. But that's almost impossible to do in a game that's this expansive. You could forever be looking for where your next clue is. Mm. That didn't happen to me. The bit where I got stuck was at some point, like you've talked about the seeds, but there's another mechanic, which is these giant Tetris blocks. So we've talked about the, the small little cubes. They also just decided to do like massive giant cubes. And so these like fall like with a thunderous clap onto the ground when you change the center of gravity. And they literally are Tetris cubes, aren't they? Like they haven't made any effort to disguise them. And they're huge. Yeah, yeah. Like they've got the same classic Tetris shape. <laughs> but yeah, uh, positioning those is so difficult. And there was one bit, I was just... They're like painstakingly positioning them for ages and ages and ages. But yeah, anyway, there was one bit of those where it wasn't clear that I'd done everything that I was supposed to. And all I needed to do was get a red cube that I'd already done, which I'd already used somewhere else, and pop it in a really obvious other section. And then it would unlock because I'd already done the rest of the rooms. But I just felt like I must be missing something with these giant Tetris cubes. But yeah, it turned out I wasn't. It just seemed like there was something lurking beneath the surface. Yeah. One of the reasons those Tetris cubes are so hard to sort out is because each side of the Tetris cube is a different color. Mm, and so yeah. some of them fall to different planes. So like you would think when you're playing a game of Tetris, like everything falls from above. But in this, because above changes, <laughs> the cubes themselves, if you change the world, the cubes themselves will also change. Mm. And they will always fall only across two planes, right? Yeah, Up yeah. or down or from side to side. Yeah, there's three axes, like X, Y, Z, isn't there? And they'll go up or down on any of those at any one time. Yeah, exactly. 
So then you have to make them fit together using the colour-coded sites. <laughs> that is absolutely mm. mind-bending. I mean, to be honest, this whole game was so mind-bending. I could only really play it for sort of short stints. It wasn't a game mm. that I could play at length because I just hurt my head too much. <laughs> it was so porridge. Yeah, with the Tetris cubes, because obviously you can fall forever. The Tetris blocks can fall forever as well. And you're kind of like, how am I meant to position something that can literally fall forever? At what point do I stop it? Throw me a freaking bone here. You have to like watch it fall and then quickly change what floor you're walking on so that it like stops still in midair. Yeah, difficult, those Tetris cubes, I thought. Yeah, so we didn't mention, because it's kind of implied perhaps in everything we've said and haven't said, that there's no sort of explicit narrative, right? No. But there is a kind of thematic narrative, isn't there? If we assume that it's a garden, as the title tells us mm. then kind of what's going on in each of these rooms is you find that there's this mold or it seems to be like mold but it's just black pixel in us right that is sort of distorting yeah. the rooms as you enter them and mm. what you essentially are doing is cleansing the world or the garden as you mm. move through it and so when you successfully you know i think each sequence is probably about 10 rooms or something but when you successfully complete each sequence of rooms or of puzzles then you get an extra special cube yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of shimmering and the whole world warps while you pick it up and apparently that's called a god cube but i don't think the game actually mm. explicitly tells you it's a god cube anywhere no everyone just decided that that's what the name of it should be <laughs> yeah like happened in astroneer with all the plants yeah, <laughs> I still think that people are just going into the game files and looking up what the devs have called it and then being like, eh, I'll do. Yeah, there must be a variable name, so maybe it comes from that. Yeah, you find the god cube and then you have to put it in a special place on the tree and it like radiates out this light and kind of realigns the whole world and all the blackness is purged from it. Mm. What did you think of that as a nice little sort of thematic journey? Um... It's a punchy enough end, isn't it? Especially as it adds a little, an extra puzzle, slight extra puzzle, when you pick up the, it's almost like the source of the blackness or like the corrupted god cube, and then you put it back on its tree. And so you get the sprout of the like healthy god cube to plant back in the main area, don't you? Where you're like growing the garden. I love that it's a vegetable patch, your garden, isn't it? It's an agricola vegetable patch. You get the sprout. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is, yeah. And then you wait till harvest and then you realise you haven't got enough food to feed your peasants. <laughs> but no, there's none of that in this. But no, the extra layer of the puzzle, which I was going to say, is that when you're carrying the corrupted cube, you can't change planes. So you're just stuck on that one level and you have to find your way to the corrupted tree. And if you, yeah, if you let go of it, then you just restart back at the corrupted cube. So yeah, it's an extra little puzzle. And it's quite like, when I say punchy, it's kind of like, it's like pulsating, isn't it? it shows you where it is. Yeah, the whole world does. And actually, the very final sequence of the game, which, I mean, normally we talk about spoilers and stuff, but come on, guys. <laughs> this is a thematic mm. game. There are no formal spoilers. It's a visual spoiler at best, which we wouldn't be able to spoil, I don't think. No. If you ever spent any time on the old school Windows Media Player, you will have already spoiled this for yourself. Oh my God, that's such a good comparison. Because <laughs> it is like the Windows Media Player visualizer, isn't it? Yeah, what happened to that? You don't really see those anymore, do you? Yeah, I don't know. I got quite nostalgic at the end though, because I used to watch that visualizer and pretend that it was a game. How sad is that? It's like how starved I was of computer games at certain points in my childhood that I just watched the Windows Media Player visualizer and just pretend it was a game. God knows I did that. I mean, maybe that's what these devs did because basically that is how it ends, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The ending sequence is like a five-minute passive trip journeying through dimensions of pulsating <laughs> concentric circles. Um, I mean, to be honest, I found it pretty boring, but I suppose if you like splashy psychedelic colors then you might like it did you like it um ah, i don't know it not was... as much as you did when you were a kid no it had to end somehow and it would would have been weirder to introduce some sort of contrived story on top of it instead it just kind of kept with the theme of color and shapes right up until the end do you think that because i'm not sure about that because like 
I actually think when a game is so visually stark as this one, and in terms of its audio as well, like we haven't talked about the sound design, but mm. it's equally minimalistic and sparse. I quite like the audio actually. It's just really gentle and peaceful. And like when you walk on yeah. certain surfaces, it subtly changes. So like if you walk on a window, which is only a window when you're looking at it, otherwise it's a glass floor, then it turns to wind chimes. That sort of says it all oh, about nice. the about the ambience of the game, really. Yeah, that's really nice. Can't remember why I was talking about that. Oh yeah, when you've got such a sparse design as that. I sort of feel like you need something a little bit less cryptic for you to kind of get your teeth into. Because mm. like if you if you take Portal as an example, I'm sorry to keep coming back to Portal, but I do think it's a very good example of this. Mm. The original game was almost like a tech demo, but quirky. It's in a sci-fi lab. You're clearly trying to figure your way out of the lab. There's all these tests and you're participating. And that, as an idea, is not abstract at all, right? You're like a test subject mm. participating in tests. The experiment is nearing its conclusion. The enrichment center is required to remind you that you will be baked and then there will be cake. And then the sequel was like, okay, we do want to take this further. Let's give it an actual storyline, like a proper storyline, which it did really successfully with Portal 2. Yeah. Well, 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 welcome to my land. Let me just flag something up. According to the control panel light up there, the entire building is going to self-destruct in about six minutes. I'm pretty sure it's a problem with the light. I think the light's on the big, but just in case it isn't, I am actually going to have to kill you, uh, as discussed earlier. So let's call that three minutes and then a minute break, well, which should leave allegedly two minutes to figure out how to shut down whatever is starting all the fires. So anyway, that's the itinerary. And I feel like this game is still at the tech demo stage, is still at the like concept stage. Mm. And I think the concept's really, really cool. Like I definitely do. And I'm sure that other more kind of normal games, <laughs> so it's such mm. a disparaging word to describe things normally, <laughs> but yeah, a regular game, like a, a narrative-based game, I think we'll probably borrow from this in terms of its visual style mm. and in terms of the geometry especially. But mm. I don't know, I really struggled with the absence of something that was tantamount to purpose in the game. Yeah, you're right, you're left with that absence and it just becomes a puzzle and a, and a bit of a mood and an atmosphere without anything for you to really latch onto. It's true. I noticed that, but I maybe didn't mind it too much. I didn't imagine this while I was playing, but maybe like you are the person who's controlling the Windows Media Player visualizer. So it's as if the Windows Media Player to decide which way the patterns go. It's just got a person like running up these different colored walls and the way that they like shake the cube about inside means that the visualizer changes color and goes in different directions. So yeah, maybe that was the inspiration. Maybe. I mean, for a competing banality, and I don't want to get too, <laughs> too into all this, but it reminded me a little bit of, you know when you're a kid, like a really, really little kid, way before Windows Media Player, <laughs> I'm talking like you're sat on the floor because they know you can't crawl away, and they've put like a mm. little wooden bus in front of you, and it's got shapes cut out of it, and you've just got shapes mm. all around you, and you have to put the shapes in the holes. This yeah. is like the adult equivalent of that. And like the baby playing that game, you can do it for a bit. And then you're like, I'm hungry now. What, what's for tea kind of thing. It's the same with this. Mm. It's like I could do it for a bit. And it was, it was quite compelling in a sort of similarly childlike way. But then I was kind of like, why am I really doing this? Mm. Yeah, you want more. But it feels a bit unfair because, I don't know, when you're doing a Sudoku or, or a chess puzzle or something like that, you're not asking for that puzzle to have a, a narrative as well, are you? No, but those those are competitive, right? Or, okay, Sudoku's not so much. Or a crossword. I don't know. Just just any kind of throwaway puzzle. By the way, I do totally agree. Like, Portal is a cut above because it adds in that narrative as well. Like, it, it is just way more compelling. But I don't know. There's, I think a game should be able to just be a puzzle if that's what it wants to be. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it can mm. be. But I mean, you, you said Sudoku there, and in much the same way as, I'm sure there are some people who do this and, you know, all the power to you. But in the same way as I wouldn't buy a Sudoku book and sit and work my way through it 
from front to back. Yeah. Like, sure, it's fun to solve a Sudoku while you're on the train and you catch it in someone else's newspaper or whatever. No one's buying newspapers now, but you get the gist. That's fine, but a book to go from cover to cover? And this is a little bit like the game equivalent of that. It's like, mm. yeah, I enjoy solving the puzzle, but yeah, yeah. do I want to do that for nine hours? I mean, I don't know if it's nine hours. How long did it take you, do you reckon? I think it was quite long, like at least 12 hours. Wait, well, I don't know. It felt like about 12 hours, but I didn't check at the end. Ooh, because I'll be interested if it was 12 hours for you, because <laughs> my game said I completed it within six hours. Whoa. Epic told me it was closer to 9.5. No way. Well, I, I definitely felt like a lot of the puzzles took me a long time. Yeah, I felt like that as well, but maybe I just didn't get stuck on pause as much this time. Mm. <laughs> on the pause. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So what, you just sort of put on lo-fi beats to Sudoku 2? open your sudoku book and then it's a it's an equivalent experience <laughs> i think that's actually kind of fair a little bit of fortet in the background while you're going yeah exactly yeah exactly i did really like the music by the way and the funny thing is like i think we should talk a bit more about the visuals because i think we've done them a disservice but the visuals are kind of like satisfying as well the way they unfold mm. more than they are beautiful i think actually they're kind of satisfying the sort of thing that ends up, I don't know if any of you are Redditors, but if you've ever been to the subreddit, r slash oddly satisfying, and you see these kind of like sort of little gifs mm. of stuff going on, like someone stirring in a cup or, I don't know, a peacock's tail or something opening in a certain way. Mm. And it's that like neat precision to it that is just like, ah, that's nice. It kind of touches a spot somewhere that's really satisfying. Yeah. This game does that. But yeah, I think we should describe a little bit more the visuals because, for instance, the garden itself, and by the garden itself, I'm talking about specifically one room which has, it's external, but it has waterfalls and these pink fluttering origami birds and mm. flowers. And it's almost Roman, would you say? Like a little with these pillars? Yeah, definitely. It's got that kind of like Greek Roman temple look to it, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I thought those scenes where they'd clearly thought, okay, this is, you know, we want this to be a beautiful moment. They were beautiful moments and they were beautiful mm. scenes. And they'd done that quite well. I quite liked a few more of those. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the kind of architecture in it is like, I don't know a lot about architecture, I should say. But to my eyes, it looked like the architecture of Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> well, and also the original Blade Runner movie, but... I think. What? As in? As in like huge, almost fascistic, Kafka-esque type environments. Ah, yeah, yeah. Apparently it's Italian futurist. Ah, I see. But I don't know whether it is or not. And I didn't want to sound like a wanker. So I didn't just come out with, oh yeah, it's very much of the Italian futurist come Soviet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I definitely would have questioned your knowledge of Italian futurism had you tried to pull that off as your own natural opinion. But yeah, I kind of know where you're coming from because, look, well, certainly those temples anyway, it's like quite a Mediterranean vibe. Oh, temple. Yeah, that's a much nicer way of describing it. Well done. Surely you thought of like Escher as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think every review of this game is going to mention Escher, right? Because it's the obvious. I know it's an obvious point to make that it's referencing that. But then I kind of just thought, what if Escher was alive now and he had the, the computer game tools that we have now? Like, would he have created something like this? Or would he have created something which, like, we can't even comprehend? I don't know. I just kind of thought, like, take any historical figure and their genius with the tools of the time and, like, fast forward them into the future. Would they create something of equal genius? Yeah, I sometimes wonder that. But then I also wonder if they would be a bit deflated by the fact that in <laughs> don't just great skills great skills wrong time Asher. <laughs> well kind if you of can't like code you're out no <laughs> i didn't mean by the tech challenge i more meant that like that was something that no one else had considered no one else was doing or maybe they, they had and he's just the best known of them Mm. As little as I know about architecture, I also know about art. So <laughs> apologies if he was <laughs> he was an absolute rip-off of 10 other guys who did it better. But yeah, certainly like it seems that he was a guy who kind of carved that path. And mm. now if he came and saw you could just do that easily on a computer, 
without having to like conceive of it in your mind and like try and figure out how you even draw that in such a way that mm. it resembles life but can't possibly be life because of its sort of optical illusion. I don't know whether just having a computer to do that would sort of take away some of the potency of what he actually did. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I wonder how many people are just not that inspired by stuff which computers can now do. So like chess, I wonder if when it wasn't just solved by the computer or you could never have a chance of beating a computer, whether it was a more compelling thing. But now that it has been solved by a computer, it's a bit like, huh, I can never be that good. So yeah, might as well try something else. Definitely. I think that probably, I mean, I would say that was a factor of chess, but I think since Queen's Gambit, chess has like boomed and there's more people playing chess than ever before. So chess kind of undermines that whole point. <laughs> There's no player in the world as gifted as you are. There is one player that scares me. Who? The Russian. But um, <laughs> I think a, compa a comparable one would be music, right? Like writing music, composing music. Mm. Rewind pre-computers and everyone's doing it by hand having to literally imagine in their mind because most of them wouldn't have a fully blown orchestra laid out before them so they could just quickly be like actually try the flute like this instead i think they're mm. doing it in their mind with pages and pages of staves in essence empty staves that they're filling in mm. and like they had to conceive all of that and put it together and kind of imagine how it would sound all together whereas now it's like people can just I don't know. Basically, computers are literally just writing that shit. And you've got software to make yeah. that effortless. And it plays you the sound as you're putting it on the stave. Like, I've often thought, at the risk of undermining previous geniuses, I've often thought, like, how many of those notes did they just get wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it sounded pretty good. Or everyone was like, wow, that was pioneering the use of that particular chord. And so they were like, yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> Time plus mistake equals genius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, that brings it back quite nicely to the game and other games like this, which do really kind of mind-bending 3D puzzles. You have to be able to conceive the solution to the puzzle before you can start calculating what you want your player to do. I think that is that is pretty impressive in this game. To be able to, I mean, it's not quite like the musicians you said because they can build it and try it out and see and do a bit of trial mm. and error with it. But but still, I think it definitely takes some some inspiration to construct these kinds of puzzles conceptualize them right oh 100 percent. yeah sorry i didn't mean to like disparage the the skill involved in putting together like modern masterpieces not this is a masterpiece but it's still pretty good mm. i didn't mean to do that this i agree is to come up with the complexity of this game and then mm. fill it with puzzles that are equally progressively complex Mm. obviously it does i mean I, I, their like roadmap or their like note post-it yeah. board must have been fucking batshit crazy yeah. <laughs> i wonder if they were all just tripping or they were just like really really wired on coffee while they were doing it and i wonder how much trial and error it was as well i, I watched a, a little youtube video by game makers toolkit i've forgotten the person that, that does that channel but yeah, he's done a little series on making the, your first Unity game because he does it himself and then just tells people about it. And it, there's one really good episode where he comes up with a concept, which is just this like magnet concept as you might have in like a puzzle game where you can like get a magnet and pull yourself towards the floor. And it reminded me a bit of this game. But then once he starts messing around with like some of the possibilities of that within his game world and just experimenting with them, so many ideas started to come to him of like different permutations of how you can use it. So it's almost the sandbox yeah. style gaming. Because that's why it's called a sandbox, right? Because it's like a sandpit, like you're just playing around in it. And it comes from the playtesting. So it's not like he had any of those ideas before he actually got on the controller and started messing around in the world. So I wonder if that was the case with this game as well, that once they started messing around within the rule set that they've made, they started to have loads of ideas about how you could build puzzles on top of that. I don't know if there's going to be a sequel or DLC or anything like that, but what do you reckon if there was, in the same way as 
you know, Portal spawned a sequel or any of the mm. other games. Would you would you be up for it, or do you think you've done enough gardening? Uh, yeah, I would. I totally would play it because it's really chill. I was up for more permutations of those puzzles in that world. Like I felt like it had more to give still in terms of the things that you could do in that rule set. So yeah, I would certainly play more. You always ask me that question and I've stopped answering the real answer, which is no, because we've got other games to play for the box. Yeah, but that isn't so, the question, I'm, is I'm, it? The question isn't, will you physically within like time, you know? Like I'm not asking you if, you if your schedule allows you the opportunity to play it. I'm asking, you know, would you in a perfect world, yeah, given yeah. infinite time, like much like this world, <laughs> would you would you play it? So yeah, okay, well, that's cool. How about you? I think I'd be intrigued to take a look at it. I just wish it had been short, because I agree that I think there are more permutations. Like it could have done more with the rules set that it established. And mm. yet I also think it was way too spread out, way too diffuse. I wish that mm. the whole game and all of those puzzles had been compressed into like a slightly more compact package. I think if it had been like a really mm. pithy three or four hour gaming experience, I'd have come away and I'd have been, you know, gushing about it because in many ways it's kind of breathtaking. Mm. But instead, because it was so drawn out, or my response gets diluted, my emotional response gets diluted, and then by the time I finish, I'm like, actually, that was this a bit of a drag? Mm. So, like, if the sequel was two to three hours <laughs> and innovated on the ideas it's already set out, I'd probably give it a whirl. Mm. My hunch is that if they did do a sequel, they'd probably stretch it out even further, so... Wary. Wary about it. I also played it on my Switch as well which maybe contributed to the sense of kind of comfort that I had while I was playing it. Because I don't know, when you're lying on the couch playing a game, you feel a bit less like, I don't know. Like when you sit down in, on your laptop to play, it's like a whole event, isn't it? Where if you're playing on your Switch, it's like, you could be on your phone. I love that people always, always talk about the Switch and then set it on their couch. Like the exact same place you would watch TV or play a console. You've got all the world open to you and they're like, oh yeah, I was playing it on my Switch. And you think, oh, where were they playing it? On my couch, yeah. Just same place I always do, just on a teeny weeny screen. I did play it on, on a bit on the bed as well, but I'm away from home. I haven't got a TV or anything. And like I told you amazingly before, I've never plugged my switch in i've only ever played it handheld it's just a different experience isn't it and that's why teo wears glasses <laughs> <laughs> so next game next game let's try and recall it i've already started playing it void bastards we're playing void bastards <laughs> void bastards those are void bastards yeah yeah it is i was gonna say it much more void bastards but that makes me sound after you've said bastard in that in that enjoyable way, <laughs> I sound a bit dry saying void bastards. Uh, actually, I think kind of both ways of saying it are a little bit in keeping of the game, aren't they? But we'll save that till next time. Yeah, just as our normal one-liner into the next game, mm. void bastards is a kind of cartoony FPS looter shooter, isn't it? Yes. So if you're into that rogue light, yeah, if that's your cup of tea, then um, play along. Mm, yeah, play along with us. Come and play with us, Danny. Forever. And ever. And ever. One thing that did make me laugh was that you said, come on, stop taffing, instead <laughs> of come on, stop faffing. <laughs> what did I say? You said stop taffing, I think, anyway. Just... <laughs> what, I said caffing? No, taffing with a T, like tiffin. Oh, come on, stop taffing, stop taffing, stop ta 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 taffing.